This episode is brought to you by KG Productions for Krishna Nose. We are doing Guru Charitra, Chapter Two: Power and Glory of Guru Bhakti. Namdharak meets Siddha Yogi, the great and close disciple of Guru Nath. Siddha Yogi leads Namdharak to the Bima Amraja Sangam and seated under the holy Ashwatthama tree, start narrating the Guru Charitra to him. which the later listens with rapt attention siddha yogi narrates the story of the disciple deepak and the guru ved dharma and about the unexcelled merit that accrues from guru bhakti and guru seva guru is indeed supreme and all the gods are subsumed in him if we can but win the guru's grace we will thereby win the grace of all the gods guru is indeed supreme The names of Ved Dharma and Deepak have their own significance. Veda itself is both the Dharma and the Guru. And one who is devoted to the Scripture and abides by the Dharma, which they enunciate, is sure to gain enlightenment. The chapter is the key cap chapter of the entire text. It charts out the entire path of the spiritual aspirants. This is exactly like chapter two. of the bhagavad gita is going to give you roughly the whole of the book in a compact form but later on we will be getting different different stories so you will get an idea about how this book goes ahead the kalpataru can fill fulfill all your wishes the kamadhenu can bestow on us all the boons the para stone can transform base metal into gold but none of them can transform others into the likes of themselves the guru alone can do now this will explain to you that let us say for example if there is a parasmani it's a magical stone if you touch it to any metal objects the metal objects turns to gold but the metal object is not going to turn into parasmani did you understand so the parasmani has the capacity to turn a metal a lower metal into a higher metal called gold but it cannot convert another object into itself whereas the guru has been given this idea he is given this power to transform his devotee into his own self that means as an extension of himself he is a parasmani himself so he can make another parasmani in front of him that is his disciple namdharak refreshed by the sleep and enlivened by the joy of the dream vision now woke up the dream vision of gurunath splendorous form with ashes smeared all over the body with tiger skin as the garment with locks of matted hair and with looks overflowing with love and compassion stood indelibly imprinted in his mind recapitulating the vision he was in a state of ecstasy but it soon soon flashed on him that it was after all but a dream but even so he realized and felt convinced that it was only because of gurunath's grace that he had such a blessed vision even if he be in a dream but could he ever hope to have ever such a dream vision again would gurunath ever again shower his mercy upon him as he was brooding thus low there came near him a yogi an ascetic who looked like a near replica of the divine form which he had seen in his dream the yogi too had similar face and looks 
wore a tiger skin for the garment and his whole body was smeared with sacred ash yesterday i told you that it is the divine lord himself that takes that same form appears like that all right his face was shining with spiritual splendor and his looks be speaking of the inner realization and enlightenment namdharat was overwhelmed with joy and wonder and fell at the yogi's feet and exclaimed o great one on seeing you all the agony in my heart has subsided and my whole being is filled with ineffable joy and eternal peace i am feeling most blessed i pray to you to let me know who you are and where you are coming from and where you reside i am certain that it is sri narsimha saraswati dev who sent you to me taking pity on me at this the ascetic replied as follows i am known by the name siddha yogi also referred as siddha muni i am the disciple of the great datta avatar sri narsimha saraswati the supreme brahma was my guru with his grace alone i have attained the knowledge of the spirit and the possession of the yogic siddhis ever since my guru's departure from gangapur and withdrawing of his avatar a little later i have been constantly on pilgrimage i am now on the way back to the holy gangapur for the darshan of my gurunath nirgun padukas enshrined there i spend all my time reveling in remembrance and recounting the leelas and the mahimas of gurunath oh how great how divine is my guru he is peerless indeed how blessed is gangapur which is hallowed by his grace how blessed indeed are those who are devoted to him they are freed from ever and from all mundane worries and are ever anchored in peace and happiness their homes will be ever prosperous with everything a plenty and with no want whatsoever cattle children wealth none of this will ever be ever felt wanting in the devotee's home for that matter anyone devoted to his own guru let apart a gurunath is most blessed indeed he will be all peace and happiness himself guru is indeed supreme by himself and all the gods are no comparison to him at all guru is the sole benefactor and the liberator of man and blessed indeed are those who are devoted to their guru although namdharak was so joyous at hearing this <coughs> yet some apprehension started raising his head in his mind he said to siddha yogi i am puzzled at what you all you say i am also devoted to gurunath just as the predecessor in my family were but i have no peace at all and am ever haunted by worries in spite of my devotion to gurunath i am in a pitiable state you say that those devoted to the guru are freed from all worries and miseries it doesn't seem to hold true in my case at the least further although i to believe that great indeed is gurunath how can you say that guru whoever he is is indeed supreme by himself and all the gods are no comparison to him at all guru can hold some place of honor like mother and father but how can you rank him above all the gods <coughs> it puzzles me much and i fail to understand what you say this is naturally a question which arises in the minds of literally everybody when we say the guru is a place where you find everything that means the divine knowledge the scriptures everything that you need from peace love happiness joy 
understanding, knowledge, you name it, everything is there. But this just now, this person is going in search of the Guru so that he can find all these things. So what is it that is the difference between this person, that is the yogi who is sitting in front of him and the one who is questioning him. What is the difference between these two? The one has met this guru. That means Siddha Yogi was already a disciple of the great avatar. Whereas Namdharat is now going to meet to that place called Gangapur. Suddenly what has happened is he says the reason why I am visiting Gangapur is so that I can get peace of mind. I can get the happiness. I can get everything that I am asking for. One thing which he asked was very simply this. The question is so relevant to all of us. What is the question that he asked? He said that my forefathers, remember his two generations before, were also worshipping Datatre, isn't it? As Narsimha Saraswati. So he says, my forefathers have been worshipping Datatre. That means I come from the same lineage. That means I should also have the grace of the Guru, isn't it? So then why is it that I am not having? So it's a very very relevant question. So if I come from the lineage of the same Guru, why is it that today I am feeling so upset? Today I am not having peace of mind. So let us say for example, some of you have children. Now you may say that you have met me and the children will say that they are known to you. So if they are known to you, that means the grace has to be there on them. Yet the children will have their own worries. So what is the reason for this is a relevant question. I don't want to preempt the answer. Let us try to see what the answer is. Of course, I will give you the answer. So, but let us see what Namdara gets the answer. Siddha Yogi then said, My child, your faith is wavering and is not steadfast yet. And you are bedeviled with all sorts of doubts. Just as a sick person cannot relish food, however delicious it is, so also a doubting heart cannot imbibe the grace of the Guru. However abundantly it may be overflowing. Just as excessive and wrong diet is harmful to a sick person, so also doubts are inimical and detrimental to the progress of men in, on the path of bhakti. It is not, it is not said samsayatma vinayasti a wavering and a doubting person perishes and shraddhavan Labhate Nanam, the one with faith gains all the wisdom. See, what is the one thing that is missing? It's called faith. What is the faith like? Yesterday also we did this question called the faith. Every individual has a faith. The faith is somebody will believe in their God, 
some others will believe in their own god everybody has their own god to believe in but tell one person to believe in another person's god he will say no i don't believe in that god yesterday we did that where hanuman ji says to sri krishna that i don't believe in sri krishna i believe only in sri ram because my ishta is only sri ram he may be the greatest devotee of sri ram the greatest devotee that was ever there and yet doubts are the biggest problem in faith if there is an iota of doubt this much amount of doubt very very little doubt also the doubt is going to destroy everything let us say for example you are cooking something in the house okay now you are used to eating non vegetarian food all right now see what happens there are two kinds of people in the house who eat non vegetarian food one person says i eat pork and the other one says i eat only chicken now we take one pressure cooker and we first cook pork in it all right now the person empties the vessel empties the cooker after cooking in his vessel and just rinses it and puts it back on the gas then the second person comes to cook now he says i will not cook in this why you have cooked pork in it i don't eat pork i don't like this i am not going to cook in this so how big a problem is that quite a big problem so he just rinses it nicely again takes prill or something like that and rinses it nicely and then makes chicken in it now comes your child or now comes another person in the house who is a pure vegetarian now you have rinsed the vessel and now you are going to make khichdi for him in that think about it is that person going to stay in your house also <laughs> he will run away you tell him maine april se do do baar dhoya hai still that fellow is not going to believe because there is a smell of the pork as well as the chicken roaming all over the place and even if you tell him he has come after the khichdi has been cooked if you tell him even you know i clean the vessel very thoroughly no 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 i do not eat in the house he will run away from there this is called doubt so there is no faith yeah <laughs> the residue of doubt no prill in this world can remove it so think about it so the vegetarian person will first and foremost not even want to eat in your house it's the same as when you go to a non vegetarian restaurant and you order vegetarian food think about it and there is only one kitchen over there what would happen to that person so it is the same thing this is what is called doubt and this is what destroys the faith there is no faith and when there is no faith 
you will have all the trouble in the world. So no happiness, no peace, nothing, nothing. absolutely nothing. So your forefathers might have believed in Gatatre. But the children are not believing, the grandchildren are not believing and there they will just do the prayer for the sake of doing. Okay, my father was doing, my grandfather was doing, so I am also doing. So we are in the lineage of Dattatre, they will say. Sir, you may be in the lineage of Dattatre, but you are the vegetarian fellow who doesn't believe, you know. The first person ate the pork, second person ate the, you know, chicken and you are the third person. You really think you have faith, huh? No faith in you. So that is the reason why you say faith is not there. So I hope you got your answer. <clears throat> you should cultivate unalloyed devotion to the Guru. Because of your doubt only, you are not able to derive the benefit of Guru Nath's grace and instead have enmeshed yourself in misery. Even remember that the Guru alone can redeem the disciple. Even if he has incurred the wrath of the gods, if he has his Guru's grace, no harm will ever befall him. Guru's grace will be his invincible armor even if all the gods make an assault upon him. But if one incurs the wrath of the Guru, none ever can rescue him, not even if all the gods together try. It's a very important line. The gods can send so many problems to the person can curse you, can do whatever that they want. But with one Jaduki Japi of the Guru and all that matter is over, finished. But if you see, Abhi Guru ke saati panga liya, to jayega ga ape. Aray, boss ke paas, you understand the whole problem. To Guru ke saat panga nahi lene ga. Bola, ye disclaimer dhala ya ape. कैसे लगता है हाँ डॉन ग्यारह मुल्की की पब्लिक इस रात ग्यारह मुल्कों की पब्लिक बोला तीनों लोगों की पब्लिक डरती है डॉन से सो वन शुड एक्चुअली नेवर मेक अ डिस्टिंक्शन बिटवीन गुरु एंड गॉड फॉर द डिवोटी ऑल द फॉर्म्स ऑफ गॉड शुड बी सब्सिड इन द फॉर्म ऑफ इस ओन गुरु गुरु इस द मैनिफेस्ट of everything which is called the supreme divine consciousness in one. Imagine when we started this thing about the Vedas being on the Lord's body. Think about the Lord taking a form. He is crystallizing in a form. So when he crystallizes in a form, he creates this entity called the Guru himself. That is why we say the words, when we started this book, we said, Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Deva Maheshwara, Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha. So Guru is the embodiment of literally everything that is what is meant. Thereafter, Siddha Yogi started narrating an anecdote from the Brahma Vaivarta Purana to explain the power of Guru Bhakti. Okay, we have time. In the beginningless time, Brahmadev created the cosmos and along with it he also created the four Vedas, the repositories of all wisdom, which enunciated the code of conduct for man for the upkeep of harmony in the universe. We just discussed that 
Vedas are nothing but the rules and the regulations of how they are, what they are. They were not written. They were not written down actually. They were basically expressed. Now expression can happen in the form of words, can happen in the form of written or can happen just, it can appear. There are four kinds of sounds we discussed, isn't it? Yeah, it can appear as a gesture also. There are four kinds of sounds. The fourth one which can just appear out of nowhere. So this is what happened. Like the Omkar, it just appears. Okay, it is called the Anahata. Never heard of, unheard sound like that. It is not actually heard. Like that the Vedas appeared. He also enunciated the Puranas by ways of illustration on the practice of the Vedic Dharma in the day-to-day lives of people. He also created the four Yoga Purushas assigning to each of them the rule of each of the Yugas respectively. He does this in each one of the Kalpa. Each one of the Yuga Purushas in their respective Yuga has to undertake the responsibility for the upkeep of the Dharma on earth and for the welfare of all. Each yoga will have its own specific characteristics and special features and Brahma has explained about them in detail to each one of the yuga purusha. Yuga purusha means one entire yuga. There are four yugas, isn't it? In one manavantara, there are four yugas. The first one is the Krita, second, Treta, Dwapar and Kaliyuga. Every yugas, they repeat. After these four, next one will come. But before that is dissolution. Dissolution, then once again the whole thing will reappear once again. Then again dissolution, then reappearance. So it's a continuous motion. It keeps on coming and going and coming and going. So each yuga is ruled by one yuga purusham. That means somebody is there who is actually in charge of this domain. Physical formula. He is not a physical form. He is not physically like, okay, he is a man. No, he is not a man. He is not a woman. He is a definition of the divine concept of what we say as essence. Essence. You got it? So, the essence of the Yuga is defined over here. The Purusha of the Krita is endowed with pure Sattva. If you recollect, I had already told you all, the first yuga was full of sattva, the second yuga was like that, the third yuga was like So now see how the whole thing is actually working. The first yuga was pure sattva. Sattva guna was present in 100%. The purusha of the treta yuga had sattva and rajas mixed in him. So the second yuga had sattva also and rajas also mixed in it. While the people of the krita yuga are contemplative nature ever engaged in tapas and contemplating always on the inner self. The people of Treta Yuga resort to external and ritualistic disciplines and austerities, especially of the performance of sacrifice. So in the first Yuga, everybody was a realized being sort of because everybody was dwelling in the Sattva. Second Yuga is Sattva as well as Rajoguna. Both the Gunas are present. Sattva is dwindling. Slowly, 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 slowly it is going away. So only Rajaguna is going to remain. So what happens to this person? This person has to do all ritualistic practices. So that is the reason why if you actually go to all the Vedas, they tell you rituals. How to do? What to do? The Purusha of the Dwapar Yuga is predominantly, predominantly Rajasik and always carries bow and arrow in his hands. But even so, he is calm and compassionate. So, the third yuga. If that person is fully rajasic in nature, 
he wants to dominate 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 so he carries bow and arrow in his hands what is a bow and arrow it's a thing that he rules over other people and now we come to the last the kali purusha he is possessed with tamasic traits the people of kali yuga are materialistic they discard all noble values of life they are atheist and take to unwholesome and evil practices what has happened in the fourth yuga nobody believes in god as the yuga progresses everybody is going to turn atheist there will be absolutely no belief left in god we may say that there will be a lot of people who will follow the dictates of certain religions but the religion itself is getting so complicated in nature it is only purely materialistic in nature isn't it now every religion will tell you itna paisa dene pe itna milega okay bola tumko aane ka zaruri nahi internet mein paisa bhejo sab mil gaya tumhara hai ki nahi today you don't have to go to to a place like tirupati you can click on to the link and just say deposit and your credit card will get minus and theirs will get added up and then what happens they will say that oh we have performed this particular puja for you or you can do it to the vatican or you can do to any church in the world and they will say oh we have performed your puja over there or we have done some sort of a sacrifice for you or said a prayer for you or done whatever man will not even get up from his bed to do that he can just sit with a with a phone of his and tick 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 he can do like that and transfer money and then he can say to you, you know oh i perform this yagya in this temple or in this church in the world okay oh prasada don't worry it is going to come by courier fedex se aayega mera prasad aa gaya prasad dekho khao oh this is how so today's yuga is tamasic in nature you don't even have to lift a finger also by the way tomorrow maybe siri is going to do all those jobs for you say to siri tomorrow please go and perform one yagya in uh, some mandir and he is going to go and uh, what and then you will be very happy with it so this is our kali yuga kali purusha okay <laughs> moral values will sink to the lowest level in kali yuga no values bola kitne mein bikta hai bol do bola hamara rate ye hai वो टेबल में उतना पैसा छोड़ के चला जाओ तो तुम्हारा काम हो जाएगा सो नो मॉरल वैल्यूज लेफ्ट एंड कली पुरुषा विल टेम्प्ट एंड लीड पीपल अस्ट्रे टेक देम अलोंग रॉन्ग एंड ईविल पार्ट्स सो द पुरुषा इट सेल्फ द डोमेन हेड देंस द डोमेन हेड हिमसेल्फ विल कम एंड ही विल लीड द पीपल अस्ट्रे वाई now think about it why it is the kali yuga sir in the kali yuga we have to go towards yes he is doing his dharma of course <laughs> but he is doing the dharma of what pushing everybody he is like he is he is having one chabuk in his hand you know chabuk bolega to one hunter and then he say hey. and like you know bhed bakri ko jaise karte hai na waise hi karke bole go towards destruction all right so it's like the pied piper of hamelin you have heard of this or no the pied piper of hamelin he is playing one flute krishna also plays one flute isn't it so he plays one flute and all the rats they follow him and then they all jump from the cliff so the dharma of the kali purusha is to take everybody towards the cliff and push them on top of the cliff bola jao abhi 
कली हो गया खत्म हो गया सो दिस इज वॉट कली पुरुषा जॉब इज सो कली पुरुषा विल टेम्प्ट एंड लीड अस फ्री पीपल टेक देम अवे अलॉन्ग रॉन्ग एंड इवल पाथ पीपल विल फॉल स्लेव टू सेंशल प्लेजर्स एंड थ्रो ओवरबोर्ड ऑल नोबल वैल्यूज ऑफ लाइफ cravings of the tongue and passion of the sex are the two important weapons of kali purusha to subdue men so think about it so these are two lust and greed everything is over lord brahma however had warned the kali purusha that he should be very cautious and when he approaches people devoted to their guru he should never try to meddle with and harass people devoted to the guru so apne line mein kon hai idhar aa jao side mein बोला the guru's grace will be impregnable armor allowed his disciple and devotee otherwise he would be incurring the guru's wrath and will come to grief and none will be able to help them then not even the great trinity thereafter brahma narrates an anecdote to kali in the power of guru bhakti so now brahma ji is going to narrate one story on the banks of the holy river godavari there used to be once the angir angirasas ashram angirasa is one of the great sages of past In the ashram lived many rishis. Uh, by the way, there are lots of ashrams in this world. Okay. Now, if you go to the Himalayas, you will find Ved Vyasa's ashram also there. Doesn't mean Ved Vyasa is staying over there. His essence is there. Doesn't mean he stays over there. Okay. So there are the names of these places are there. So Angira, the uh, this particular uh, Swami ji, I mean from the past, sage. Yes, he is a Gotra. Yes. So. His ashram was there. Now, what happens over there? In the ashram lived many rishis, ever engaged in the spiritual pursuits. Many young students used to come for learn learning of these rishis, who are very learned in the Vedas and the scriptures, and were realized souls. Veda Dharma, the son of the great Pail Maharshi, was one of these rishis. He was revered for the vast learning as well as for his spiritual stature, and as a worthy son of the great rishi. He used to have a very large group of students. One day, during his daily discourse to the students, he said, "As a man sows, so he shall reap. No one can escape the bonds of karma. Human birth is a result of the previous karmas only. Just as the law of cause and effect works in the physical world, the law of karma works in the moral sphere. Every thought, word, and deed, as it were, is weighed on the scales of eternal justice." Now remember, these words are being told by Brahma Ji. Okay. So the next time when you are thinking something wrong, now think about all these words. Okay, so he says, even the thoughts, the words, and the deeds. You may say, मैंने तो कुछ नहीं किया. अरे लेकिन मन में तुम्हारे लड्डू फूट रहे थे. You see that ad is there, no लड्डू फूट रहे हैं. Sir, वो मन में अगर हो रहा है मतलब तुम्हारा हो गया कल्याण. Okay, so you are already on the way, sir. So think about it like this. कि even the thought if appears or words even if you say to somebody you know you are an idiot and then you say i never meant it sir the words are already out it's like the arrow which has been shot by the bow okay it's already left the fellow is dead 
So you already called him an idiot. So even after that, if you say, "No, I didn't call him an idiot," who told you that? You already called him, and you're already in deep trouble. So why do you think that is not the case? So understand these thought words. And the moral law is inexorable, and is inescapable. He then slowly added, "As for me, too, in my f- former lives, in my ignorance, I committed great many sins. I have been able to expiate most of them." Through the severest of penances in this life, but there is still some prarabdha karma persisting, which I cannot escape and will have to suffer. So even if you think about Brahma ji, Brahma ji is also a part of the prarabdha karma campaign. Okay, he is also not free from it. He says, "I am also part of the same group." Okay, my prarabdha karma is also there. Yours is also there. Pilar Maharishi will say, "Mine is also there. Yours is also there." So nobody can escape prarabdha karma. He may come in the form of Sri Ram also. Okay, his prarabdha karma is there. Who told you he is not there? Otherwise, what will all and all do? Got it? He has to go through his father's problems. Father says, "Okay, you have to go to the jungle." Why? Because Kai Kai says so. Kai Kai says so because Mantra told her to. Can you imagine this? Everything is connected. So whether you are Sri Ram also, you will have to go through that prarabdha karma. The time is now coming for me to undergoing the sufferings, and I will soon be overtaken by a most dreadful disease, which will see me in the grip of a long time for nearly two years. I need the service of one of you, if any of you are willing. Who is saying this? Remember the guru in the ashram. All right, Paila Munishan. Who is his name? His name is Veda Dharma. He is telling. I need the service of one of you. If any of you are willing, you will have to constantly attend upon me, nurse me, and relieve me of my sufferings to whatever extent you can possible. But let me tell you, the disease that is going to overtake me is most loathsome, and you will not be able to even bear my presence. Those who have to attend to a diseased person will suffer even more than the diseased person himself. With this, he stopped and kept silent. Imagine there is a spread of anthrax. You know anthrax, no? If you don't know, Google. <laughs> or maybe he is suffering from AIDS, or some such type of a deadly disease. But at that time, AIDS and all was not known. There was no Google at that time. So we'll just restrict ourselves to leprosy. Okay. <laughs> so he says, by touch also the disease spreads. By spit also the disease spreads. By air also it spreads. Everything it spreads. So now, who is going to take care of me? See, I have got my karma of two years. I have to go in this deadly disease. Somebody has to take care of me. Imagine that. With this, he stopped and kept silent. No sooner the guru finished speaking thus, one young disciple called Deepak rose up, rose up, walked up to the guru's feet, prostrated himself there, and prayed that he be given the chance and privilege to serve him. He said, Master. What greater blessing can there be than serving the master under all circumstances? Please give me the opportunity to serve you. Veda Dharma said that he was setting up a pilgrimage in the holy city of Kashi, as a disease which would be overtaking him would be fatal. So he is already giving him all the heads up right now only. Okay, see, I am setting up an ashram over there. Now see, the disease can be fatal, and you can also be engulfed in it. Okay, you can also suffer from it. That he would like to breathe his last on the banks of the holy Ganga at the feet of Lord Vishwanath. That is in Kashi. Those who die in Kashi, they 
get mukti, isn't it? That's why. Where the Dharma then entrusted his other disciple to the care of other rishis and he set out to the holy Kashi along with Deepak. There he settled down by Kamleshwar on the northern bank of Manikarnika. Manikarnika is a ghat, you know, that place where they burn dead bodies. In a few days, the body of Veda Dharma was overtaken by leprosy and by day by day, the disease was fast spreading, ravaging the whole body. Remember, I told you, the disease at that time is leprosy. So, <laughs> that was the deadly disease. So, he says, okay, suffering from leprosy. Okay, files made almost a permanent habitation on the source of Veda Dharma's body, portrait and foul odor used to emanate from all over the body. Hardly could he sleep and he was suffering great agony all the time. He grew highly irritable and peevish. And for everything he used to blame deeper. Now imagine, think about it. If you have got a headache, okay, if you have got a headache and the first person who comes in front of you, you take a machine gun, you know, and you want to fire that person. Or your boss has given you one big jadu. Okay, think about it. The moment you see somebody in front of you, you are going to give him also, isn't it? So think about it, this guru also. What? Veda Dharma he is having irritability throughout the day. Because imagine, no? Ye ungli chala gaya, ye ungli chala gaya. Imagine, you know, like, tuk, one gone, tuk, second gone, like that. <laughs> imagine the sores on the body. Have you ever seen a, a leprosy patient? In the ancient times, they used to tie their body with strips of cloth, you know? Huh? It's there in the Bible also. It is there in the story of Dattatreya also. It is there in the story of Parshuram also. Parshuram's mother, she was taking care of this great king over there at that time who was suffering from leprosy. So in one place, all the lepers were kept over there. So she used to go and tend to them. Even in the in uh, in uh, at times of Jesus Christ also, there was a place where the mother and the daughter were in one particular place. And if you recollect that scene from that beautiful movie where the cloth, you know, uh, or the blood flows from the Jesus Christ's body and they get cured of leprosy. So this is basically, leprosy was a very deadly disease at that point in time. So, what he was doing? <clears throat> he used to treat the disciple very harshly. He used to scold him for not cleaning his sores properly. And when he was cleaning the wounds, he used to flare up and howl that he was causing him pain. He used to complain that the food Deepak was getting for him was not good. But Deepak used to bear it all calmly, while at the same time he felt sorry for the agony and served him. Now imagine the Guru is going through all this trouble. Flesh wounds are there and they have to be cleaned. And when you are cleaning a little bit here and there, dry cloth on the wet wounds, it hurts. Think about it. And in that irritability, when some food is kept on the table also, the Guru would not eat. He would say, what dirty food you have bought? He doesn't like this, he doesn't like that. He's yelling at him constantly, bickering, blah, 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 blah. Constantly he's doing that. But Deepak used to bear it calmly. While at the same time he also felt sorry for the agony and served him. He strove all the time in trying to make the Guru as comfortable as possible. He himself used to hardly sleep, nor used to eat properly, and all the time of the day he was attending upon the master, catering to his need. The young boy's dedication and love for the Guru moved the hearts of even the great trinity. 
one day lord shiva appeared before deepak and said that he was immensely pleased with the guru bhakti and guru seva that he came to him in order to give him whichever boon he may ask for deepak said without his guru's explicit permission he would not do anything and that he would not he would therefore ask his guru first as to what he should do and what boon to ask for shiva said then you go and get your guru's permission for asking the boon i will be waiting here for you i shall give you whatever you ask for remember the guru had given them the task first he has given a choice to that person do you want to join me only one person joined him at that time the conditions were very clear whatever i say that you got to do it means complete surrender so if it means complete surrender can you use your mind no even if shiva comes and stands in front of you you cannot use your mind sir you cannot say oh shiva can you please give me this particular boon ha mera idhar duplicate clone banao usko yahan pe rakho main chala jata hu hum log aisa karenge kali yoga wale log bola ek robot ko de dena idhar main robot ko idhar khada karta hu main chala jata hu but what did deepak say i have to go and ask my guru shiva said then go and ask get your guru's permission for asking the boon i will wait here for you i shall give you whatever you ask for deepak told the guru about this and said that he would seek boon from shiva for the cure of guru's dreadful disease so he tells his guru guru shiv shiv ji is standing over there okay he said you can ask one boon i want to ask for your you know you should become okay that's what i want to ask for the guru instantly flared into a rage and said that he will not seek any flavor favor from anyone and redress for his sufferings so the guru gets very angry he says what nonsense are you talking i don't want any of these cures and anything like that isn't this what ramkrishna paramahansa also did remember once upon a time he was told i you why you can also go and ask kalima no don't give me this disease don't give me this cancer and he got very angry at that point in time he says no 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 i cannot go and ask her that's what happens he said he will have to expiate his karma by his own sufferings only deepak went back and told lord shiva that he had nothing to seek from him brahma and vishnu also later appeared before deepak and they too offered him boons please with the guru bhakti at the behest of the guru he turned down the offer of those gods too then the god said when we the supreme gods who have higher than any beings are graciously offering you boons is it not foolish for you to listen to the perverse behest of your guru and spurn down the blessed opportunity that comes to you so the gods are provoking him and saying the guru is an idiot just now he is suffering from all the troubles why are you listening to him he is already in pain his mind is not in place oh more satya gaya hai satya gaya you understand no person has become mad don't listen to all what he says okay you should take your own decisions and you should come up with your own answers don't listen to whatever he says okay so what he says deepak replied pardon me sirs there is none equal to my guru guru is higher even than the highest of the gods what i ever yearn for you is only my guru's grace and not the favor of anyone else so he says to these people see you want to grant me something no just ensure that guru's grace is there on my head okay i don't want anything from you 
If you are still keen on granting me some boon, please bless that my devotion to my Guru will only grow more and more and will never slacken and waver. The gods blessed him accordingly and disappeared. Actually, Veda Dharma wanted only to test Deepak, Deepak's steadfastness and devotion. And for this he put up the severest of the test. When, thus, when Deepak thus defied even the gods, Veda Dharma was very pleased. The disease was not real. It was just assumed by him for the purpose of testing the faith of the disciple and to give to posterity an example of the supreme power of Guru Bhakti. Veda Dharma then gave up the disease and became perfectly well. He embraced Deepak. He lauded him for the steadfast devotion to the Guru, even under the severest of the trials and tribulations. Veda Dharma endowed on Deepak all the knowledge of the scriptures and the highest devotion and all the siddhis. He blessed them thus. You will flourish as a Chiranjeevi forever in the holy Kashi. Lord Vishweshwara will ever be by your side. Whoever thinks of you will be rid of all the woes and will enjoy the prosperity and attain enlightenment. Deepak became an enlightened as his own illustrious Guru himself was and came to be known as Sandeepak or Samadeepak. Here ends the second chapter of Sri Guru Charitra glorifying Guru Bhakti and the supremacy of the Guru over all gods. Glory be to all merciful, omnipresent and the ever responsive Guru Nath. So we have come to the end of this very beautiful chapter. It gives you an idea that the Guru Bhakti which is of this kind of a nature, this particular kind is required. Even during those times, imagine there was only one person who could take up this entire task and he was one in a million. And that is the kind of Guru Bhakti or devotion is required. And that's the kind of faith that is required. Even when the Guru is keeping you down and he's slapping you that, 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 like that, you know, continuously. He's slapping you, he's calling you names, he's saying hundreds of things to you. Why are you doubting? Don't you think he is the master of the Maya? He's put everything in Maya in front of you. He creates all these situations. All these magical things are there in front of you. All the diseases, all the problems, so many troubles. It is just to test your faith. Beyond that there is nothing. And those who can stand up to this faith and doubt, love and devotion reach the highest of the will. And this is the kind of faith that is required. So just note this. That this particular chapter gives you an idea about what kind of faith you need to have. So we will end this chapter over here.